Welcome in to another edition of the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pramer. Scopo is with me as always. And it's an emergency podcast because yet again, uh, Eric, what is this? The like sixth or seventh straight week that the Oregon football program has landed a verbal commitment and yet again, another four-star verbal commitment. We're going to break it all down here on this edition of the Odds and Audible's podcast on a Saturday um, or Sunday, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, real quick, though, we are running a promotion. You do get 60% off your VIP membership to DuckTerritory.com. Uh, and this is going to go away very quickly. Um, depending upon when you listen to this podcast, it may have already uh, been pulled off the system. But we're at the tail end of it. We want to include it in, in the intro. We want to make sure that if it is still going on and you are listening to this, check it out. Consider subscribing. 60% off an annual membership. You're going to save a ton of money. <coughs> <coughs> Whoa. You're, you're going to save a ton of money by subscribing, to the, by subscribing and taking advantage of this 60% off promo. But... Let's get to the order of business here, Eric. And Keanu Williams, four-star defensive lineman from Clovis High School. That's in the Fresno, California area. Six foot five, 290 pounds, strong side defensive end, four-star prospect. Nationally, he is ranked as the 20th best strong side defensive end and the 313th best player in the country, regardless of position, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. Our personal 24-7 sports rankings are very similar. He is the 27th best player in the state of California. He is the 21st best defensive end at the strong side in the country. A player who, quite honestly, um, had offers from a majority of the Pac-12. And I think, Eric, that's what I really like the most about the commitment from Keanu Williams is that Washington State, Utah, Oregon State – You've also got um, Colorado, Arizona State, Arizona, Washington, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, and Oregon. All 12 schools in the Pac-12 wanted this guy. All 12 guys, all 12 schools offered him. They all felt like he was a player that could impact and help their program. And when you can go out and you can land a verbal commitment like that, where every other school in your conference wants him, that, that feels almost like a double win. Um, Oregon's class now jumps to 17 verbal commitments in the class of 2021. And we'll, we'll, we'll go in depth um, of his impact on the field here in a little bit, but just some numbers to, to keep track of from a, a recruiting ranking position. Their score now goes to 257.72. They still stay, Eric, fifth in the country, and I don't think that's much of a change. They're first in the Pac-12. But this is the twelfth four star to or or you know to commit to Oregon. They also have a five star. So thirteen players in um, in this twenty twenty one recruiting class now are four star or better. Oregon's two hundred fifty seven point seven two ranking is literally two points behind last year's two fifty nine point four nine, and this is where it gets crazy we were talking about this off the, off the air is if Oregon didn't add any other player in the 2021 recruiting class, 
and you compared it to last year's final rankings, Oregon would have been 13th in the country last year. And it, they have 17 verbal commitments right now. It, it, it just seems hilarious to me that two months ago, Duck fans were talking about how, what's wrong with Oregon football recruiting? Why are they not getting these verbal commitments? What is happening? Is there, is there concern? Do we need to be worried? And yet here we are where they are literally points away from their second best class in school history. And they're 20 points away from their all time high ever. Yeah. And you know, it, I'm running out of ways to lead these podcasts talking about how great <laughs> things have gone. It's like, it, it's, it's almost just feels redundant at this point. Uh, Oregon is doing so well from a recruiting perspective and you're right. It's like every week there's a new verbal commitment and They've typically, like you've said, been of this blue chip four or five star variety and it's exciting and it's, it's, it's hard not to almost every, every weekend here. I think Duck fans are getting a little spoiled where Fridays and Saturdays, there might not be sports, but at least they're getting a verbal commitment and somebody, you know, a new exciting player to join the program. And Williams is another guy like that. And you ran through a lot of the things I like as well. I like the fact that he's six foot five, 290 pounds right now. Um, he's already built like a college defensive lineman. You look at other targets Oregon has on the defensive line in this class. You even look at their other defensive line commitment in Terrell Tillman. He weighs about 210 pounds. He's going to need to add some weight. He needs to reshape his body. Um, even a Brandon Buckner, who's kind of a hybrid linebacker, defensive lineman, 6'1", 235 pounds. He's going to need to reshape his body. I look at Williams and think, he comes in at 6'5", 290. Maybe he needs to drop some, some bad weight and add some better weight. But you watch him on film, and it doesn't look like he's somebody who's carrying a bunch of bad weight. I think he comes in kind of ready-made from a physical perspective. Obviously, some stuff he still needs to work on. I don't think he comes in and is a star or a starter or even maybe plays that much as a true freshman in 2021. But with a guy like him, he's big, he's strong, he's stout. I think he can play uh, defensive end where he's listed. I think he could physically grow into – He's already not that far off from being a nose tackle in Oregon's 3-4 defense. So I love this addition. I think it's great. I think it's another one of these things where he's almost kind of flies under the radar because he's not a top 100 recruit or he's not a five-star recruit, but he's still a blue chip four-star recruit. He's still ranked, you know, 313th nationally. And it wasn't that long ago that a prospect like a Keanu Williams would be a headliner of an Oregon recruiting class, where maybe he's not the top guy, but he's certainly one of the top five or six recruits in the class. You look at where Williams is at in this recruiting class, and he's near the bottom of the recruiting rankings um, just because this class is so deep. So I really like what Williams provides. I think there's a lot of upside. I think um, the, he's a guy who where the floor is already pretty high because he is just a big, physical, strong football player. And I think he's somebody who who's going to maybe need a year or two to get ready, but not that much time because he just has that build already. Yeah, you, you just mentioned it. A guy that could potentially be – on the field in one or two seasons for Oregon. Just what's the now the perspective of Oregon's defensive line from a long-term outlook? Um, how, does, how does this impact Oregon's positioning and, and feeling of the depth that they've got now along the D-line over the next two, three, four seasons? You've got a lot of bodies, right? Um, you look at what they've done in 2019 and 2020. They really addressed defensive line pretty heavy in those classes. And I think at the same point, it's kind of hard to see what this hierarchy looks like. The position that we think Williams is going to play or the positions we think he's going to play a strong side defensive end, maybe a nose tackle. 
The two starters at that spots are seniors, Austin Falu and Jordan Scott. The main backup at nose tackle is Popo Amave, who's a junior. He'll be a senior by the time um, Williams arrives at Oregon. Uh, and that's why there is potential for playing time because there, there are, there's not going to be, at least right now, we don't really have ready-made replacements. I think Amave is a replacement for Scott in 2021, but beyond that, they need to find a guy. And Dorless, Brandon Dorless might be a replacement for Austin Folliou, but maybe he's not. He's only played a handful of games. And you have all of these bodies. So there's a, it's a, I think a lot of uncertainty right now with kind of how this is going to play out, but you have a lot of confidence that there's going to be the depth pieces there. So I think Williams enters an interesting situation. I think we're going to have a lot better idea of kind of what this long-term depth looks like on the defensive line after a 2020 season, um, where we get to see players like Keon Ware-Hudson, um, more Brandon Dorless. We get to see Christian Williams and Suavi Poti. We get to see some of the new guys, um, Misael Afisi, uh, Jalen Smith, Jake Shipley. Some of these guys you just haven't seen. I think it's going to make it more clear of kind of what Williams is walking into, because right now I think it's hard to project long-term kind of with that position group. At the same time, he certainly is going to have competition because they have a ton of bodies. It's just a lot of players that we kind of haven't yet seen perform very well yet. I think maybe you can tell me if I'm thinking along the long, the right lines here, but I think if you've got uncertainty of who's going to be that superstar player, you want to have a ton of options. Yep. Like if, if So if you don't know who that guy is, and maybe Oregon does, maybe Brandon Dorless – you know, shows out this year in little snaps or Keon Ware Hudson um, and, you know, Christian Williams, three guys that came into the program last year with a, a ton of uh, praise during fall camp and um, Dorless and Keon Ware Hudson both played quite a bit this past year, but maybe those guys just ball out and, and become, you know, the next group in 2021 for Oregon along the D line after Folio, Jordan Scott, and then, Thibodeau would potentially leave after his junior year in 2022. But if you don't have a clear-cut guy like at Thibodeau for the next three years, you know he's a superstar. You want to have as many bodies and as many options as you can and have depth because more often than not, play at a percentage is someone's going to rise to the top. Exactly. And I think that's where Oregon's at right now. And I think Joe Salavea, we had to give him a lot of credit. His development of players – has been fantastic at Oregon. Not a position group with the exception of a Thibodeau. And a couple of these guys I would mention a second ago who are four-star recruits, but not a lot of these guys are elite prospects. But you look at the, the way that they've developed, and that's why I think it may not be a clear-cut, this player is the star at nose tackle or strong side defensive end for the foreseeable future. But I'm super confident that they're going to get this sorted out. And I'm not going to be surprised with Williams and his size if he's somebody that has a chance to maybe make an impact earlier than later. But my instinct based upon the glut of ta- glut of players they have in that group um, from 2019 to 2020 coming in is that Williams is probably going to play a little bit as a freshman in 2021, maybe use a redshirt year, kind of like what we saw with Ware Hudson, Williams, and Poti this last offseason, um, and then have a really good chance in 2022 uh, to potentially play a little bit more. What, what have you seen on Williams on film? What stands out about him? I think just the fact that, again, like he's put, he's big, you know, 6'5", 290. A lot of these defensive line recruits, not all of them, but they don't come in with that kind of already made size. And I think he's pretty athletic for a guy his size. He's not, he's not slow, slow foot. His foot first steps pretty quick. I think he does a good job of, of uh, when he arrives of just blowing things up, which you expect with a kid his size. Um, I think maybe his lower body, I don't want to say it's, it needs some work, but I think maybe the leg drive could be a little bit better, but that's something that you can develop in the, in the weight room. Um, but I think the consistency and the motor are two things too, that, that really stood out watching it. A lot of the clips you watch, um, 
he plays all the way through the whistle. And times it seems like he's completely out of position to make a play, and yet he sticks with it and, and, and winds up in the right place to at least play a role in, in bringing the ball carrier down. So I think he's a great player for Oregon. Um, it fits, again, a lot of what we've seen the last couple of cycles with what Salavea likes, these kind of bigger bodies, these 6'4", 6'5". They come in at 280, 290, 300 pounds. And, uh, and I think he just kind of fits in line with that. I do think, again, I think there's a chance that he can be a, a two- to three-year starter down the line. I, I think that upside is there. It's just a lot of it comes down to kind of what's around him and how all that works out, too. Um, let's take a quick break, and we'll break down maybe what happens next for Oregon along the defensive line from a recruiting perspective and who could be the next to commit to the Oregon Ducks. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prey. Merrick Scopel is with me as always. And now we've, we've discussed what we've seen from Keanu Williams from a recruiting perspective from, on film. How does he impact the program at a positional standpoint along the defensive line over the next three or four you know, seasons. What's next for Oregon? I mean, they've already got now two defensive line commits in this class. We already know about Terrell Tillman, weak side defensive end from uh, Mansfield Timberview High School in Arlington, Texas, three-star weak side guy, six foot four, 210 pound, really athletic speed rush, you know, yep off the edge type guy. Keanu Williams now, like you said, is, is a big dude, 290 pounds and gives Oregon some flexibility where he can play D end. And, and Eric, maybe if I'm wrong, but he probably could play a little bit of D tackle too yeah, um, I agree. I agree. For, for Oregon down the road. Yeah, I, I agree on that. I think there's upside for him to play either spot. And frankly, I don't, it's unclear to me kind of what they prefer to fit because there were guys in, in the 2019 cycle who I thought maybe better, as a nose tackle that played end and, and vice versa. But I think there's definitely positional versatility there for him to play either spot. Now, strong side defensive ends. There are two other guys that Oregon's in good position for, and they happen to be the number one and the number two players in the country. <laughs> uh, the, the number one player in the country is Corey Foreman. Uh, the number two player is JT Tui Mualu. And I probably butchered the last name and I've tried times and time again. Um, but those are, I think those are probably a, those are the, like the most, I'm not going to say most important, but the highest rated players that Oregon's recruiting, they're going to take either of those guys and both of them, if they both were to say today or on national signing day, where we want to come to Oregon, Oregon's not turning either one of those guys around, even if they have one committed already. From a, a, a positional standpoint, outside of that, I don't know of any other names out there right now that I definitively say, yes, Oregon is, is going to take this guy. Maybe an Aaron Armitage, maybe a, a Tioali Suva. Um, I probably butchered that one as well. Defensive end from Desert Pines in Las Vegas. But I'm not, I'm not seeing anyone else out there at strong side defensive end now with Keanu Williams. But – how many more defensive linemen does Oregon take? I think, you know, they probably will, will end up somewhere around, I think, give or take, who commits to Oregon along the defensive line spot. They could be 
three. They could they could finish with three guys. Um, they could also finish, I think, with as high as as five. Yeah, it has to be the right guys, though. I think um, clearly, and if those right guys happen to be <laughs> Foreman and Tuamalau, uh, you're pretty happy. <laughs> and I think that this position group, defensive line for 2021, and Matt, you might disagree, but like. It's either going to be humongous home runs, and yes. say Williams in its own right is a big victory. I said that earlier. He'd be a headliner in a lot of these classes, like in 2016 or something. But if they were to land a Corey Foreman and a JT Tomala or, or one of the two, that's a home run. Boom, you, you landed another elite guy. You can now pair him with Kayvon Thibodeau for at least a year, um, two years uh, possibly. That's really exciting. But I think it's also a thing where, like, if they miss on both those guys, they might not be inclined to take too many more, right? Like, I mean, I could see this being they just add one more if it's not one of the other two. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've recently offered a couple other players along the defensive line. Um, Devin Townley is a strong side defensive end, three-star player from North Senior High School in Minneapolis, six foot six, 220-pounder, um, also a basketball player as well. But I, I look at him, and I also look at a weak side defensive end out of Spanish Fort High School in Spanish Fort, Alabama, Christian uh, Burkhalter, another three-star guy, six foot five, 230 pounds. Um, both of those guys, I, I think if Foreman and JT were to say, hey, we want to come to Oregon, I, I, don't, I don't see either of those guys having committable offers, but I could see maybe one of them committing to Oregon as well if JT and Foreman don't and Oregon would be wanting to, to take those commitments because they're they're kind of like Keanu kind of like Terrell Tillman in that their best football is three or four years down the road and they could be huge high impact developmental guys where you you work with Joe Salavea for two or three years and all of a sudden they explode um, you, you, they're in the weight training program and all of a sudden as a redshirt sophomore or redshirt junior, they all of a sudden become these, you know, really talented football players off, uh, off the defensive end spot for Oregon. So there's a couple guys out there that are still, you know, Oregon's kicking the tires with for sure. Um, we know Mason Smith, the five-star defensive tackle from Terrebonne high school in Louisiana, 20th best player in the country. He recently included Oregon in his top group and Oregon's still there and they're still trying to recruit him. I'm not going to tell you today that they're second or they're third or they're fourth even. Um, They're certainly outside the picture, but it's July and they're still being mentioned for one of the best players in the country, regardless of position. The second best defensive tackle in the country is six foot five, 316 pounder. And so you absolutely have to continue to recruit that guy as well. Outside of the defensive line position, Matt, is there anyone else? I mean, because it seems like we, the trend has been, as we said, every Friday, Saturday, someone commits to Oregon. Does it feel like there's something lined up for, I guess, July 16th or 17th? Um, this is where I think we're, we're now going to hit a, a, a mark in which I think the commitments start slowing down. Um, maybe a prospect like a Jabril McNeil, McNeil, an outside linebacker, three-star player from 
um, back east. I think it's from one of the Carolinas off the top of my head. Um, maybe he all of a sudden decides to give a verbal commitment uh, to, to the Oregon Ducks. Um, North Carolina, Raleigh, maybe a Jeffrey Bossa. He just included Oregon in his top, I think, what, six or seven, a three-star safety athlete from Utah. Um, maybe it, it, maybe those guys. I, I think the bigger names, um, Kingsley Suomatia, Dante Thornton, Bryce Foster, JT, uh, Corey Foreman. These guys are all saying the things where they're saying they want to make visits they want to make their decisions sometime, you know, closer to National Signing Day in December or in February. And so I would, I would caution that we're going to see a verbal commitment for sure next week or even two weeks from now. That being said, someone like Kingsley has said for a while that he's really high on Oregon, but he also wants to just make sure and wants to go and check out other places and make some visits and, you know, maybe check out a Georgia and really get an idea of, of what it would be like leaving the Pac-12 footprint before he makes a final kind of decision. But every month, recruiting calendar get, gets pushed back by the NCAA, and the dead period continues to get extended. And then just like the season, eventually these recruits, you know, if, they, if National Signing Day is going to continue to trend and, and happen in December – these guys are going to have to start making decisions. And so Kingsley is one of those higher profile guys where I, and this is just pure conjecture. This isn't me, this is me speculating, but I could really see that be a recruitment where it's, you know what, things continue to get pushed back. It's becoming more and more unclear of when I can go and actually make these visits. Schools aren't going to maybe host official visits. So I'm going to have to pay on my own dime and last minute notice and the prices and all that. Uh, and, and the impacts of you know, making a, a cross-country trip, you know, the difficulties that come with that at a last minute. I'm just – I'm comfortable with Oregon. I'm going to commit to Oregon. I could see that happening in, you know, maybe the next six weeks or so. Um, but I, I, is someone going to commit next week? I'm never going to say no. Um, but signs right now are, are pointing where we're now going to hit a slowdown because really, what, Eric, Oregon's only got room for – six more guys tops seven more guys eight eight eight, eight maybe yeah and all the guys that are on on the board that are that are really high on Oregon they're not in any rush right now to make these these commitments and no one's trending towards a sport uh, a period where they could be you know making a commitment anytime soon yeah I, and that was when I asked the question Sort of what I was expecting your answer would be. Uh, Oregon's had an incredible string where every week there's been a commitment, it feels like. As Matt says, no one's discounting the fact that that could happen next week, but this could be a, a period here where, I don't want to say the momentum slows, but there just aren't many targets that are going to make a decision in the short term. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. I want to remind you guys that Oregon now has the fifth best recruiting class in the country, the 13th. Uh, 17 verbal commitments, 13 of those guys being four stars or five stars uh, in this class. Now is the perfect time to jump in on a promotion where we're offering 60% off a Duck Territory annual membership. Continue to track this recruiting class as it's going to historic levels. We are getting closer and closer to the best class in school history, and it could literally take one or two guys to commit to Oregon who are training to Oregon anyways. 
and the Ducks have accomplished that feat. So exciting time yet again from an Oregon football recruiting perspective. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. You got a ton more coverage on DuckTerritory.com of this commitment for Keanu Williams. So go to DuckTerritory.com for more on that. For Eric Scopo and myself, Matt Bream, you've been listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you later, folks.